And today we have the amazing Marcy Craddock as our guest, who is an avid reader of uh, nonfiction books. I think it's fair to say, uh, Marcy? Yes, that's that's correct. Okay, so are you happy to start talking about books? That sounds a bit, uh, a bit weird, but are you happy to start talking? Shall we put the first book up? I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. Good. Right. And the first book is Good to Great by Jim Collins. So why did you put this book then, Marcy? Well, what I liked about this book is that it talks about disciplined people, disciplined thought, and disciplined action. And I'm very much about structure, and I'm very much about getting people, teams, to understand what the expectations are and how to get them from good to great. The title says it all. Yeah. And in this book, he, Jim Collins talks about the flywheel, and he talks about how you figure out what needs to be done and how you can get those results. And he talks about these steps one by one and how you push this flywheel to be consistent in giving direction to your people and achieving your, your um, goals within your team. So that's just one aspect of it. And, and when it comes to finding out like first who, then the what, and building up the, your people, it's really important to understand how to achieve success within your team. And I really like the book because it just is very easy reading and it gives you reasons to understand how your people can become from good to great. Yeah. So how did you find out about that book? Was it recommended to you or was it just you what a book you heard about or were you wandering a bookstore and you happened to pick it out? You know, I was... Long time ago, I was in a Barnes and Noble and I was looking at all these leadership books and I was trying to figure out, I was having some struggles in my own role as, yeah, um, yeah in, in my own job and, and building teams and, and getting people to, to come to work and not think of it as just a job and it's more of a career. So I was flipping through the book the actual book. And that's when I looked at it and I said, this is an amazing book. There's so much information in here and it's very well written and giving the steps that can help you be successful as a leader. Okay. So it's what you would call an essential book for somebody who's looking to learn how to do leadership. Really? Is that the case? Absolutely. Especially if you're deeply passionate about about your people and your results driven, it's going to drive you to success. He talks about this bus and yeah. how everybody on the bus has to be in the right seats. And, and I love that concept because if you're driving this bus, you're the leader, you can either crash or <laughs> take it <a>, or take a detour. Yeah. Or if those people are in the right seats, you have to tell them, hey, it's time to get off because I need to drive this bus and we all need to get to our destination. Okay, right. Let's go on to the next book. Okay. Uh, this one's been on the show before, not entirely surprisingly. How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. 
Well, I am a big advocate of Dale Carnegie. In fact, when I was 18 years old, my father said to me, I don't care how many co college courses you take, you must take the Dale Carnegie course. And back yeah. then it was in the 80s. Oh, yeah. And it was like $800 to take this course. So I've had the book. I don't know if you can see it. It's yeah. It's um, I have the 80s version, but I must have I think I've read this book at least a dozen times or I refer to it and I give it out to my staff members because, again, it talks about the techniques and handling people. And Dale Carnegie says, don't criticize, condemn or complain and give honest, sincere appreciation. I mean, he has this little um, golden book that. To this day, when I took the class back in the 80s, I carry it with me in my briefcase. Look how tattered it is. And mm -hmm. it outlines these, these, these concepts. And when he says, you know, ask questions instead of giving direct orders, I find yeah. that that's, that's extremely helpful. And he talks about let the other person save face. Yeah. And he says, praise the slightest improvement and praise every improvement. And I find that the old saying of, you know, the golden rule and giving, you get what you get back and, and, and you get more with honey, all of that is in this book because you're really giving people the, the feeling that you're investing in them and you're making them feel happy about doing the thing that you suggest. And rather than finding fault, you, you use encouragement rather than finding fault with them. And it's also good to make people feel important. Yeah. And when you're dealing with customers, you want them to be your friend. It's not just, uh, it's all about the relationship. So being, being a leader involves so many of these aspects. And, and the book is really good about explaining that and talking about how you are influencing others and how you get people to talk about themselves. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's the same. I think this book's been on twice before. So it's going to be a lot of people on this product page talking about this one. Okay. Uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear, which I don't actually think has been on this show before. It's been mentioned in passing, but not actually been picked. So why this book then? Well, everybody has bad habits, right? Yeah. And I like that. I like atomic habits. I mean, the title was just powerful yeah. to me. And basically, we have to practice breaking our old habits and creating new good habits. So in this book, he talks about the four laws of atomic habits. And there's four stages of forming those habits. And he talks about the stages, the cue, the craving, the response, and the reward. And every habit you have is linked to those four stages. And I found it very, very impactful because it's bringing awareness to change. And some people are reluctant to change. And we get set in our habits and our day-to-day, -day, it becomes routine. And I think that this book is something that is going to help you confront that. And it's going to help you have that internal 
awakening to want to change. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've listened to the audio book of this and I need to re-listen to it because it's one of those books I'm listening to and I think, I really need to do this and then forget it all instantly afterwards. So I think it's one of those re-readable books as well, which is good. I, I agree. It's something that you should refer back to because once you read it, you're going to say, I need to reinforce and remind myself of these changes and how I can create better habits. And, and it also will help you gauge if you're making any headway and forming in the formation of new good habits. Okay. Right. And the next book is The Law of Attraction by Daniel D'Apolino. I love this book <laughs> because it's all about positive energy and it talks about how we attract positive things in our life. If we think positive, it all has to do with our actions, how we use the power of positive thinking to achieve whatever you can imagine. Yeah. And I always think, you know, the universe is aligning with us if we're thinking positively. And it's just something that we don't really realize that we're surrounded in the media. And so especially with social media, with so much negativity. So I have to I have to say that this book was life changing for me. And I feel that it talks so much about how when you think in the positive, you'll get the positive back. If you think in the negative, it's going to, you're not going to receive anything but negativity. So you have to be motivated to, to believe in yourself and then you can give to others and attract others in a positive way. Yeah. I mean, this is a book I keep hearing quoted by people as in the law of attraction and the whole thing, but um, as I say, it, it's interesting to see somebody actually recommending and go back to the original book, if, if that makes sense. Okay, let's go on to another famous book. Okay. And that is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Sean Covey. And for years I thought he was Convey or something, but it's Covey. So, uh, yeah, Sean Covey. Um, I think it's... Tim, I think it's Stephen Covey. Well, not according to the is internet. Is it Tom or Stephen? Yeah. Well, this is what, well, it doesn't matter. It's it like, I'm Mr. Covey. I think it is. I think, it, I, think I was surprised it was uh, Sean or something. But I don't know. Um, if I'm wrong, then apologies, Stephen or Bob or whatever, <laughs> Mr. Covey. So anyway, why do you like the book? Well, it talks about being proactive. It, and when you're a leader, it's better to be proactive than reactive, right? So that's that's one of the seven habits. And then you want to begin with the end in mind and set a great example for others. And you have to be able to prioritize. And by putting things first, that that's also another habit. So again, these are all about habits, just like atomic habits. It's creating a a better leader and, and being uh, positive. And I think that it's really important that we seek first to understand then to be understood. And in order to understand people, one of the habits is we, we have to listen better. And 
we have to synergize with people and we have to celebrate our differences rather than be argumentative, be opinionated. I feel it's better to agree to disagree. And the other, the other habit he talks about is sharpening the saw, renewing yourself regularly. And that's something that we do by reading. I find that a lot of times we get into a rut or maybe we're just coasting. And once we pick up a book like this, we're able to renew ourselves and bring awareness to new things and create wisdom, which gives us opportunity to change again with the habits. Yeah. And I've changed. I think I've worked out why I put Sean Covey down is that on, there's a new version of this book, which is, I think Sean might be his son. That's interesting. Like, well, I haven't read Sean's. Maybe I need to go back and read his version. Well, I, I think it, I think he's just updated it. So I think it is actually Stephen. Because I, I was I, when I wrote it down, I was like, I'm sure it wasn't sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, it is Stephen Covey, but there's a new there's a 30 year edition, and it's got Sean as a contributor. So I just wrote the wrong person down. So uh, yes, but it is a, it's a long time since I've read this book. I mean, he talks about paradigms and how being is seen in the human dimension. Yeah. And what we see is highly interrelated to what we are. And that's pretty deep. Yeah. It's very powerful that we're able to see the world in a different way and being able to understand and accept change. And that shift is something that is a process. And he yeah. talks about practices versus principles and i think it's really important that we focus on the principles yeah it's easy to do the practice and they're they're situational and they're specific but when you have principles they're very deep they're fundamental truths and they have a more of a universal application and we're able to have more knowledge as things are than yeah. what what we think they are yeah yeah, and as I remember, this is a very long book, isn't it? It's not like a, it's not like a lot of self-help books. This is a long one. It, it it is a long one. There's there's so much to cover, and yeah. I mean, I, I I love the quote by Aristotle: "What are what we are?" Excuse me. It says, "I can't." We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence mm. then is not an act, but a habit. Yeah that's super powerful and i think stephen defines the habit as an intersection of that like your knowledge your skills your desires all of that ties together in the seven seven habits in the book yeah okay well hopefully we'll go to the next book which i think i've got the author right because it was on last week so, hang on. the four agreements by don miguel ruiz well I have to say that I don't know why it's taken me this many years to discover this book. Yeah. And like your last um, show talking about this book, I found it very impactful and also something that you want to give as a gift. Yeah. I took it to the next level. Not only did I give it as a gift during the holidays, I found these bookmarks 
online. And I also provided the bookmark because it breaks down the four agreements on the bookmark too. Yeah. So, well, uh, well, uh, <laughs> not to. What are the four agreements, and why? Why and did any of them particularly impact you when you read the book? So, number one is be impeccable with your word. Yeah. Num number two is don't take anything personally, and that is something that has really, really been difficult for me in my work life because I am known to be a people pleaser. Yeah, and right. so don't take anything personally was so impactful. You never know, somebody could be just having a bad day and they could be using you as their punching bag. So it's very important to take that one, that number two agreement. And then number three, don't make assumptions. Yeah. Well, you know what they say when you assume? Makes a well, yes. Makes a you know what out of you and me, yeah. <laughs> and always do your best. I yeah. I find that fourth one is we all try to always do our best, and you know our environment really creates a world around us that affects us, and it's important that these four agreements are on our radar, and we're able to collectively understand them because we want to be better and in, in, in being uh, in our relationships and our work life. Uh, and we want to make sure that we're happy and we're also making everyone else happy. So I remember every day these things because when I get downstairs in my living room, the book is right there on the coffee table. And it's yeah. a reminder for me to repeat this practice and how I can make them work for me. Yeah, well, it's definitely got come up on the high list of books I've got to read or listen to in the near future. Right. Who Moved My Cheese by Spencer Johnson. I've heard of this book as well, but I haven't read it. So why why this particular book and what, what is it about? It's such a strange title. Well, I use this book in my work life when I was managing teams and there's always going to be change. And this book is a story about little mice. And yeah. they're so used to having their cheese in the same place. And then all of a sudden, the cheese is moved. And how do they go about finding the cheese? Yeah. So each mouse goes about it differently. And it's interesting because there's four characters. There's Sniff, Scurry, Hem and Haw. Yeah. And you would think that they would all um, come together collectively to go about finding the cheese. So it talks about change and, and change is hard for people. And Sniff, he represents someone who sniffs out change really early. And then you've got Scurry. He represents someone who scurries into action going about finding the cheese and then you have him and he represents someone who fears and denies the change and doesn't even want to deal with it it's yeah. a cute it's a cute little story and then ha he represents someone that learns to adapt and in time he sees that change can lead to something better so you as a person when you're reading it you're trying to identify which which mouse am i 
How am I going to handle yeah. the change? <laughs> so which mouse were you? Or did you work that out? I would say that as I've gotten older, I would say I'm more like Ha. I'm I'm representing someone who's learned to adapt in time, and I see change that leads to something better. Yeah. Because we can't be stuck in the same thing all the time. And and being someone that's passionate about technology, I mean, you think about like the Sony Walkman, and now we don't even you know our eight mm. tapes. So we've had to evolve and, and change in our world. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, let's move off from mice onto something else. Mindset by Carol Dweck. I love Dr. Carol Dweck in this book because I am constantly preaching about fixed mindset versus growth mindset. And she gives you the qualities of both. And she talks about how in the growth mindset, you're nurturing your effort and you believe people were born with different gifts and interests and temperaments. And then you, it talks about focusing on validation and it talks about creativity and what, you know, prejudging someone's potential. And that's all great when it's fixed, but you have to also focus on learning. And that's where we grow with the growth mindset. And she talks about seeking challenges and she talks about, you know, growing from failure, learning from your mistakes. I absolutely love this book because it helps you shape how you're going to respond and how you see yourself when you're in an awkward situation or specific events may occur in your life. And she has like over 20 years of research on understanding change and fundamentally understanding the mindset. And it gives you an overview of the two mindsets, growth versus fixed, and some of the um, key core ideas of what can help you evolve in becoming a much better person and how you succeed within yourself and also helping mentor others. And I'm a big believer in mentoring others. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I've heard about the whole growth and fixed mindset, but I didn't know there was actually a book about it. Um, so it's interesting to find that out. Okay. So on to the next book. Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess by Caroline Leaf. So it uh, sounds like a similar book to the previous one. It is. And I, I'm fascinated by understanding the brain and understanding how brains are wired and what provides the synapses for our brains to, to think clearly. And Dr. Dr. Leaf, uh, basically, she helped people with uh, traumatic uh, brain injuries. And it's very powerful how she talks about in this book on how to deal with growing new brain cells. And we never thought that we could grow new brain cells. And I didn't buy this book to deal with any type of like anxiety or stress or anything like that. I just wanted to have a better understanding of how you can grow new brain cells. And there's some insight in the relationship between the mind and the brain. And she talks about 
in the magical sense that our thoughts and feelings and choices stimulate our neurons, which emerge and grow and essentially can help us grow new brain cells. So in the book, there's steps on how to deal with the challenges, including replacing unwanted habits. She, she also talks about habits and she calls it brain building and how you can cognitively build up your um, improvement in build, build up your brain cells and improve your relationships and your communication skills as well. I mean, she really encourages you to be able to be more focused on your thinking patterns. And I absolutely love this book. And she also has a podcast that uh, I follow. Okay. So you feel that you're, you've got, you've managed to grow some brain cells after, after reading this book then? I, I really do. I, I think you can grow, grow them. And especially with, the, there's been, you know, proof that you can uh, improve your memory and your focus. And it, it's important as, as we get older to be able to know that we can have brain waves and activity that are neurotransmitters that are providing us better communication skills. And it's not just getting older and thinking that we're going to lose our memory. There, there's there's actually hope for it. It brings awareness to that. Okay, well, that's, that's a nice thought <laughs> to think about. Uh, right. Another book that I'm surprised never been on the show before, but Intelli Emotional Intelligence by Daniel Goleman. Oh, love this book. Another one about emo emotional intelligence, understanding how our brains are wired and being able to have the ability to exert self-control, being able to have the ability to control and regulate your moods, um, empathize with others and to motivate yourself to persist in any setbacks that you may have and understand that it's only temporary and Goldman, he does a really great comprehensive review and he has this five components of emotional intelligence and he has this circle broken down into all these different facets of emotional intelligence. And one is self-awareness, uh, two is self-regulation, and three is self-motivation, four is empathy, and five is relationship management. And he talks about how they're all interrelated and how they work together. In, in synchronizing those components. And some people think that emotions play a role in their relationships and that only the emotions provoke fights. But in reality, emotions really just shape our decisions and they help us make a better sense of, of the world. And it really plays an important role in our actions and how we interact with people. And I find that having empathy really helps in, rather than react just take a pause and don't let your emotions take over your words and this book gives you a whole detail of how to deal with that in in your day-to-day -day life it's extremely helpful in understanding others and how to avoid adverse situations and, and conflict yeah i mean if I, I read this book a long long time ago um, and I remember it was very good. My only slight objection to 
the title of the book is that since this book came out, there's been a lot of people who, who, who say, well, you might be intelligent, but you're not as emotionally intelligent. <laughs> and I'm like, that's misreading the concept of the book. But um, I think there is a concept of emotional intelligence, but I think there are some people who use it as a substitute for genuine intelligence. I think it, I think it helps us, especially nowadays, where everything is so critical and everyone is so quick to criticize and that gets back to the Dale Carnegie, don't criticize, condemn, and complain. Yeah. And, and rather than be reactive, be more uh, cognizant of and, and empathetic of someone before you react to them and managing your feelings before you criticize them. Yeah. Okay. So, so that's what I learned from that book. There, there's so much in there that yeah. you could benefit from. I think that you know, it, it, again, it talks about the feeling brain and the thinking brain, which goes back to the cleaning up the mental mess. <laughs> yeah, they're all linked together, which you often find with people's books. <laughs> well, it makes sense, actually. Uh, if people read totally, some people have come on with totally unrelated books, but most people have got related books. Yes. Which, let's go to the next book then. Which is Good Leaders Ask Great Questions by John C. Maxwell. This book helped me tremendously in being a motivational leader and understanding that when you have people that you're in charge of and you're supervising, it's rather than dictate, that leadership style doesn't work. It's better for you to ask the questions rather than just assume what the answers are. Yeah. So I find that this book will add value to your team because you'll be able to give 100% to getting a pulse on your teammates and being a better listener. Because you, you're, we're, we're servant leaders when, when, we're, when I'm reading this book that I, I keep thinking about you know, what do I need to do to communicate? The questions in the book ask you that and and the the ask and then you're asking questions to your staff and you're saying, you know, how can I serve you? Um, what are the expectations? Um, what do you need to learn? What are the tools that you need so I can help you? As a coach, if you're not surrounding yourself by good people you're only as good as the people that you have around yeah. you and as a leader you need to know how they're doing and they need to be able to give you the feedback and if you don't have the answers and they're not giving you that feedback then they're not going to be successful and he talks a lot about how you can connect with people by asking those questions and you can also get better ideas out of them so they can do their job better so you want to be able to ask questions also to yourself as a leader, like, what am I doing to invest in myself? Am I really interested in others? Am I grounded as a leader? And what are my goals to help lift those people up? Yeah. So, yeah, it kind of sounds like another um, great book that I haven't read. I have heard of it. I heard the title before, though. It's one of those ones. So, should we go on to the most important book then? Well, before we do that, there, there is one thing I want to say before we move on. And yeah. in this book, John Maxwell talks about growth by age. 
And yeah. like in your 20s, you build your foundation and you prepare for your future success. And then in your 30s, you know, where you're trying different things, you're finding out what does work, what doesn't work. And then in your 40s, you're focusing on your strengths and you're making the most of what works. And then in your 50s, you're reevaluating your priorities and hopefully you're shifting from success to significance. And I found that to be extremely impactful. Yeah. And that is what led to the next part. Now we can move on. Thank you. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so you nicely segued on as I would do it. So. Yes. Common Sense Community Management by this Marcy Kravit person, like you, she. <laughs> well, mm, yeah. I decided to write a book. Um, I've been writing a column, educating community association managers, and I write for an industry publication based here in Florida. And the, the, the column I write is called CAM to CAM, Community Association Manager to Community Association Manager. And in order to get a license in the state of Florida to manage properties, basically you can just sit in a class for two days, take a test, and you're a community association manager. Mm. And I felt that along the way, after over 20 years of managing properties, I started journaling in the early days, all of the um, operational uh, policies and procedures and checklists. And I felt that it was important to give back. So over the course of 20 years, I've written articles and I compiled them in this book. And I am finding that I'm getting a lot of great feedback because not only is it for community association managers, it's also for board of directors and also uh, business partners that serve the needs of the community associations. And here in Florida, we have probably uh, the largest number of community associations as far as condominiums and homeowners associations. So th the guide is something that I've been told is a mainstay and that it's, it's bringing awareness on what the roles and responsibilities are for the community association manager the board of directors and the uh, service providers. Okay. Um, so when did you write this book? I was pretty sure to have done some research. I, that's okay. I released it in July of 2022. So, oh, okay. So it's still fairly, and it sounds like you've had good reviews and feedback for your book. Um, oh, it, it's, I'm just delighted with so many people that have reached out to me and said that this is something that should have been on, on their shelf years ago. Yeah. And I'm glad that it, it is something that they'll put on their shelf and they'll be able to use it as a reference guide and help share the knowledge. I've always been uh, an advocate of paying it forward and, and focusing on lifting others and helping them in any way I can in this industry because it can be extremely challenging. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a bit more widely about your book choices. Uh, I've started asking this terrible question, but if you had to pick one of these books to give to somebody, which book would it be? I would say How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's a okay. staple. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the funny, I really listened to it on audiobook recently and the funny thing is a lot of it 
seems obvious, but as I've got older, I've realised that there's a lot of people who don't get the obvious stuff. <laughs> you just think, oh yeah, well, that's what people are doing, and then you realise, no, it's like that's why it's a good. It would be a good book to gift people. So, I promised you to talk to you a bit more about what you do in your current thing, which is it's community management, but it's not property, is it? You work for uh, um, a different company now, a different sector. Yes, I work for um, a telecommunications company based in Fort Lauderdale. Can I say the name? Yes, you can. Oh, okay, great. Um, it's Hotwire Communications, and we provide fiber optic solutions for community associations. And yeah. it's we have our, we own and operate and install our fiber optic infrastructure. And we've been around for 20 years, same ownership, same leadership, same mission, same brand. Yeah. And we focus on providing internet and television for bulk community associations, homeowner associations, condominium associations. And we are the only fiber to the home company operating in markets all across the country right now. So I'm, I'm really, really excited to be their director of community association relations. And it's been two years since I joined them and I was a customer. I had such a great experience yeah. as a customer and I was probably one of their, their biggest cheerleaders. So when it, when you talk about the need for speed, Hotwire is it because <laughs> Hotwire, <laughs> Hotwire was rated uh, the number the number one provider and fastest uh, provider by internet service provider by PC Magazine and Netflix. Yeah. So you've actually got a fairly very niche market then, haven't you? You've got community associations you're selling to. So uh, I'm not sure how many of them will be watching at the end of this, but you never know. You never know. It might be some, some person who runs a community association in the US, he wants a new internet provider. So all things are, are good. Um, and uh, can you talk a little bit about your your reading like experience? Like, I know obviously we've got the books here, mostly nonfiction, but have you read anything? Have you got anything you're looking forward to reading in the future? I am a big Tony Robbins fan, and I have one of his books that's been sitting right next to my bedside and it's about this thick. So yeah. I, I would love to be able to sit down and, and read it. I'm, I'm a big fan of Tony Robbins. I think that he has a lot to uh, contribute to anyone that's in a leadership role and, and then the power of positive thinking. But in addition to that, I would say that th there's so many books out there now on leadership and self-improvement and i just haven't had the chance to really see yeah. what others are out there but when i do i'm going to make sure that it's on audio because i'm spending a lot more time traveling in my car and i yeah. love the fact that there's so much on audio right now and i always say my car is my library on wheels yeah okay well that's uh, good to know i mean i remember I mean, I, I definitely would. I definitely at this point have gotten involved in learning more about Buddhism 
And I feel very strongly that it's something that everyone should learn about. And especially in the climate that we're in right now, I believe that there's there's so much to learn from it. I, I was very um, blessed to be able to take a trip over the holidays to visit my daughter who's lived in Thailand for the last three years. Oh, okay. And yeah. it, it, yes, it, it was life changing to, yeah. to learn about their culture and understand their history and, and visiting the Buddhist shrines and learning about um, his name is Thich Nhat Han. He's he died a couple of years ago, but he's written some really great books. Yeah, so that's another area you want to explore there, like yes. um, spirit. Well, it's religious. It's just uh, Eastern religion rather than Western religion. Okay, well, <laughs> this makes sense. It's great to have you on the show, Marcy, and. Uh, I look forward to hearing about your journey into the world of Buddhism and uh, and Tony Robbins' books in the future. So, uh, and thanks for everybody who's watching on YouTube. 